Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Do us a huge favor. Please give us a five-star rating and write a review. Let us know what you think. All feedback not only encouraged but very welcome on this show because we want to do our best for you. Coming up on this week's episode, OU is about to pour $250 more million into the football program and its facilities, but only nine and a half into basketball. We'll tell you why that's a good thing and a bad thing. Plus, Joe Mixon is back in trouble again, and the NFL is taking over Black Friday, and we'll tell you why as a college football fan that should matter to you. But we start with the news that everybody's talking about right now. Okay, I'm just taking a stab at this, but OU's future schedule in the Southeastern Conference. We want to know what it's going to look like. Is OU going to have three permanent opponents? Are they going to have one permanent opponent? Is it nine conference games? Is it eight conference games? Well, lucky for us, the good folks at Sports Illustrated have put together a formula of what they think OU's future SEC schedule is going to look like. Not just OU's, but everybody in the Southeastern Conference. What they did, and this was really interesting on their part, very key in fact, was they took a 10-year span starting in 2013, and they looked at the winning percentages of all the schools who are going to be in the SEC starting in 2024. So OU and Texas were included on this, and obviously they had to include their Big 12 schedule and their Big 12 opponents when putting this together because, well, that's who OU and Texas played. And what you find out is at the top, you've got Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma coming in at third, followed by LSU and Florida. Those are your top five. Right outside the top five at number six is Texas. Now, bringing up the rear in the SEC over the last 10 years are Ole Miss, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Arkansas. In fact, Arkansas was dead last in the last 10 years. So if you're an Arkansas fan, and you're listening to this, and you always hear on me rag rag on you about being nuts for wanting to play LSU every year. This this is why. This is why the, these last ten years are why I rag on you about playing LSU. Because sometimes you're you're trying to drive a little bit more car than you can handle. Well, the way Sports Illustrated thinks the SEC might put together your yearly schedule, and might come to the conclusion of these are the three opponents every year is based on where you fall in that 10-year metric. So schools that fall in the upper echelon, the top half with that winning percentage, like OU and Florida and, and LSU, would presumably play two opponents from the top half and one from the bottom. So for Oklahoma... You get Florida, okay, there, there, there's your big dog, Florida, followed by Missouri, who is like right at the top of the bottom half, and then Texas, who is six. Now, it's a little awkward because Texas is not in the top five, but the other thing that the SEC is going to take into consideration here, and at least Sports Illustrated did as well, is they want to do everything they can 
to preserve their most precious rivalries. And certainly OU Texas would fall into that category. So OU going to play Texas every year. Then they're going to play Florida because over the last 10 years, both teams have won a whole lot of football games. So theoretically, both teams should be even. And then they want to kind of throw you a bone so you get Missouri. Now, the flaw in that 10-year metric is what happens when a team is on the come up. And that's Nick Saban's main complaint because Alabama, according to this story, would have to play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every year, and Nick Saban wants no part of that whatsoever. His complaint is that, hey, yeah, when you were looking at the last 10 years, Tennessee sucked, but now they're good. And you're giving us LSU, and you're giving us Auburn. I mean, by God, don't you want Alabama to make the college football playoffs? Don't you want us to have a legitimate shot of winning the national championship? Sure, Nick, we want you to do that. But at the same time, you're the guy who suggested that everybody in the Power Five only play other Power Five opponents. So either you can or you can't handle it, but there isn't anyone in college football that's going to feel sorry for you. Texas, I just want to point out Texas' schedule real quick. Texas, they would have playing Arkansas, A&M, and Oklahoma. So that's that's fitting. Again, you're, you're with Texas. It feels like it's all coming down to preserving those rivalries. And you've got three schools, three schools that consider Texas to be their biggest rivalry. So that's what they're going to give them. Same with Alabama. There are three schools that consider Alabama to be their biggest rival. LSU does. Tennessee does and Auburn does. So they want to, the SEC wants to make this happen. It's not for the faint of heart. Nick Saban knows that. Nick Saban has beat his chest about that. So, Nick, when you get handled a schedule or handed a schedule with the three toughest opponents in the conference on them, just take it and go. As for Arkansas, get over it. You're going to have to play Missouri. You're going to get lucky and play Texas, and they're going to give you Ole Miss. You're just not getting LSU every year. But again, I I don't understand why you would want to play LSU every year. I say all that to say this. If you're the SEC, if you're Greg Sankey, you need to be having talks with both, with both Chris Del Conte and Joe Castiglione. And those talks need to be firm. Those talks need to let both schools know on absolutely no uncertain conditions that you are being brought into the SEC to compete. We're not bringing you in because, hey, we think you're going to be fodder for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Georgia and Alabama and LSU. We're just going to run all over you. No, we're bringing you in because we feel that as a program, historically, you are equal, if not better, than most of the schools in this conference, even the ones who are at the upper echelon. So this six and seven crap that you put out last year, OU, and these last five years for Texas, it's not going to cut it. You guys have to do whatever it takes to win and win big in this conference. That's why we want you win. And take win, you know, win at all costs or, or whatever it takes, however you want it. If that means pump $250 more million into football facilities like OU is, by God, do it. If that means make the NIL a little bit more crooked than what it is, by God, go out and do it. Am I encouraging cheating? Of course I am encouraging cheating, which 
After watching Pony Excess this weekend, that's getting harder and harder to do in college football because pretty much everything Southern Methodist did is legal now in college football. It's encouraged in college football. So it's hard to cheat, but your NIL better not only be top-notch, accessible, and be to the point where when kids hear what you can do for them, you can actually do what you're selling. Whatever it is, whatever you have to do, win. You're being brought into the SEC to win. I know Joe Castiglione understands that. I know Chris Del Conte understands that. But sometimes you also need to hear an outside voice to bring it all home to you to let you know what is exactly expected. The other aspect of this scheduling that I find fascinating is what do you do in the non-con? If you're playing nine SEC games, as I've said over and over again, it's not likely you want to go bite off some of Clemson and some of Michigan right now if you're Oklahoma. Which, again, let's go back to that Greg Sankey conversation with Joe Castiglione. Uh, Joe C. needs to understand that, yeah, OU does want to bite off some of that. Right now, maybe they can't, but they need to be able to. So OU's got to figure out right now, do you want to keep the Clemson, the Michigan series that are on the horizon coming here in a few years. The other thing, that if you're only playing three, because right now the SEC plays four non-cons and everybody complains and laughs about the sandwich game. But if you have only three non-conference games, do you want to start off with a home run hitter like a USC, then play somebody like a Citadel (laughs) for your second game of the year, And then sandwiched in between potential matchups with, say, Texas and Florida, do you want to throw New Mexico in there? I'd be all for that. I'd be all for still having that non-con, that very winnable non-con scheduled somewhere late in the season to give your team a respite because as you go through the SEC with as physical and as nasty as it's going to be, you're going to have guys beat up. And there's nothing worse than playing a slate of Texas, Florida, and Auburn back-to-back and not giving guys a chance to heal or heal to their full capability. So if you can find someone that you can stop 72 to nothing and have all your key players off the field midway through the you know, midway through the third quarter or at the very beginning of the third quarter, that's all the better. All this is going to get ironed out. I am very anxious for that 2024 schedule and cannot wait, cannot wait for this year to be over with and out of the Big 12. Coming up next here on the Sooner Scooter Show, We'll talk about OU pumping $250 million into the football complex, but only nine and a half into basketball and why that's a good thing and a bad thing. want to thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show here, part of the Heartland Podcast Network, a very proud member of the Heartland Podcast Network. OU is pumping $250 million into the football program. That is expected to be approved by the Board of Regents on Tuesday, or probably has been approved by the Board of Regents on Tuesday by the time you're listening to this. And with that, you are getting a new football-only facility for coaches' office, workouts, everything you need to make the football program great, which will be adjacent, that's how it was, that's how it was worded, to 
Owen Field. I call it Owen Field. You may call it Gaylord Memorial Stadium, but it'll be adjacent to to Owen Field. There's also going to be an Athlete Success Center, whatever that is, that's going to cost $75 million. So $250 million going into football alone. Baseball is going to get $45 million for an upgraded facility. Softball, if you don't know by now, $47.9. Gymnastics is getting $13.75 million. Hell, golf's getting $8.6 million, but basketball only nine and a half. And Porter Moser is already out there speaking on how OU needs to make a bigger commitment to basketball and build a new arena because the crap that is Lloyd Noble Center isn't cutting it anymore. And yes, it just continues. No matter what you do, you're just putting lipstick on a pig right now. Talking to James Hale this week, who has covered OU basketball for many years and has certainly been plugged into it over the last few years. Yeah, you know, he'll tell you straight up, it's just not a priority for OU to get an arena done. And we've heard all the things that the city of Norman may or may not do with an arena. But the bottom line is, is you've got to at least give the appearance that you care about basketball. Because nothing is more embarrassing than having an having opposing teams fans come into your building and then be right when they rip it to shreds. It'd be one thing that if you pumped, say, like $60 million into a new basketball facility and people were saying it was gaudy and it was, you know, it was overdone, whatever. Who cares? You know, they're only in it once a year. You're in it every year. And, or you're in it every game for a year, okay? <laughs> you know, you knew what I meant. But if, if OU can at least fake a commitment to basketball, then it has absolutely no chance to succeed. And if you want to get quality coaches, if you want to make a good showing in the Southeastern Conference, and you want to get to the NCAA tournament so you can earn more money, then kids need to be impressed. Even if 4,000 are going to show up, and that's all you're going to get at OU Basketball, build an arena where that seats 4,000. Build an arena that seats six at the most. Make it intimate. Make it a basketball-only arena. Well, I guess you could throw wrestling in there as well because all you're doing is throwing down a map. But make it one of these things that at least at least has the appearance that you spent a lot of money on this. It's state-of-the-art, and it's not just the workout facilities. We want the fans to come and have a good time, and we want the kids to have a first-class experience because OU basketball doesn't have that right now. As an alum, as somebody that cared about OU basketball deeply for a long time, this is embarrassing. It is, it's sad to think that this is what we still have. In the 70s, the Lloyd, the LNC was cool. Dude, it's the 2020s right now. Fix it. Do something about it. And don't put it all on the city of Norman. Even if you're playing at McCaslin Fieldhouse, which is only 2,000. Do something. That's that's got to be better than, than 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 what the situation is now. But by God, I hope they fix it. I just want to say, Porter, I am absolutely with you. Some really bad news right now. Um, trouble continues. Trouble continues to find Joe Mixon. Uh, police searched his house on Tuesday morning. Um, there was an alleged an alleged shooting that happened about eight thirty on Monday night where a teenager got shot. He and his friends were out playing with some Nerf, Nerf guns, and a shot allegedly came from Joe Mixon's house. 
This teenager was taken to the hospital with, you know, non non-life-threatening injuries. But for Joe Mixon, trouble seems to catch him. And and you know what? For more on this, let's just go to our good friends at Fox 19 in Cincinnati. Yeah, Trisha, over the last 25 to 30 minutes is when that crime scene tape was extended to include Joe Mixon's house. I'm going to take a step out of the way so you can get a better look at what we are seeing here. Now, the sheriff's deputy from Hamilton County, they have now moved around the side of his house. I would say about 1135 It was the first time that deputies actually knocked banged on Joe Mixon's doors. They then walked around his garage to the backyard, and you could hear deputies giving commands saying, Sheriff's Department, come out of your house. But this has been for the last 25 to 30 minutes or so. The crime scene tape, as you can see, extends all the way across the front of Joe Mixon's house. We have confirmed through court records that this, in fact, is Joe Mixon's house on Ayers Road. Now, this is all unfolding since about 825 when the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office responded here in Anderson Township to a reports of shots fired. We do know one juvenile was taken to the hospital for minor injuries. We do not know the extent of those injuries right now. The, the developing news that we are currently learning and watching as it unfolds is the fact that the crime scene tape has shifted from the side yards where multiple evidence markers are from, we believe, those casings from the shots fired. But it has really culminated and focusing now on Joe Mixon's house. This has been for about 30 minutes or so now. Deputies currently have made their way around the side and to the back of his home right now. And of course, we're waiting to see if Joe Mixon does come out. But of course, we are following this breaking news. And as soon as we learn any more details about this or if Joe Mixon comes out of his house and we're able to get a statement from him or a representative, we will also let you know. But for now, reporting live in Anderson Township, Chancellor Wynn, Fox 19. Now. It is important to note that Joe Mixon was not arrested, uh, was never taken into custody. I'm pretty sure he talked to police. His sister has released a statement saying that Joe Mixon was not involved in this incident at all, and he may not have been. But it's also worth noting that just a few weeks ago, Joe Mixon was charged, even though it was eventually dropped, with pointing a, a, a gun in the face of a woman at a club. Again, those charges were dropped. But you you take these two incidents, and you take what happened at OU during his time there, where he punched a girl in the face and, and broke it in five different places. Joe Mixon does a really good job of costing himself a whole lot of money. And as a guy who the Cincinnati Bengals don't want to bring back or are questioning bringing back, you're not helping your case. When, when, when police are getting a warrant to search your house, when they are out there at early hours of the morning, whether you're involved or not, as unfair as this may seem, people tend to raise eyebrows. They wonder if you just cannot get right. They wonder why you are always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what happens is when it comes down to negotiations, they'll bring this up to your agent. Or if you're Lamar Jackson, I guess they would bring it up to you, um, to your face since you're representing yourself. But they're going to bring this up to your agent and they're going to say, this is why we don't want to sign him or this is why we don't want to pay him as much money as you want us to pay him. And it's always felt like Joe's been a ticking time bomb ever since he's been at OU. And we've seen him go off once. We don't know that he necessarily went off on this woman because the charges were dropped. We don't know to what extent he's involved or not involved in this latest incident. And I get the feeling he... Based on the way things went down, he's not going to face any serious consequences. But I do wonder what the next thing Joe Mixon is going to be involved in. And if you're involved in, in something one more time, 
Whether you did it or not, people are going to question the friends you're going to hang out with. They're going to question why you aren't doing things to curtail you being involved in these situations. And even though you may fit what I need for a running back, Dallas Cowboys, it's going to be hard for me to pay you top dollar, and it may even be harder for me to just bring you in to the fold. Real quick, um, this is something we're talking about, and we're not going to have a whole lot of time to get into it. Maybe we get into it on the next show. But the NFL is going to start to take over Black Friday. They want that 3 o'clock time slot. Now, why this is important is because you, as a college football fan who, like me, love to watch college football on Black Friday, may see the NFL eventually do to it what they've done to Thanksgiving, or more importantly, what they've done to Christmas Day and how they've screwed the NBA. That used to be the unofficial start of the NBA season. The NFL is now taking that over. Yes, the game will be on Amazon Prime, which means that you have to subscribe to it in order to watch. But depending on which metric you look at, the NFL is already getting between 10 and 11 million people to watch on Amazon Prime. So people do have it. OU is scheduled to play TCU on Black Friday. You've got Nebraska, Iowa, Texas, Texas Tech. And think about what's going to happen here in a year from now. That's going to be A&M, Texas. Okay, that rivalry comes back. Maybe OU is playing Missouri that day. or Yeah, probably not Florida because it's late in the year and Florida's probably playing Florida State. Boston College, Miami's on that day. The Oregon-Oregon State game is on that day. I love the NFL just as much as the next person. And if you want to take over Thanksgiving and leave the night for college football, great. But you've taken the night, too. You've given us three games on Thanksgiving instead of two. Back off of Black Friday. Let that one belong to the college. You already own the sports calendar. There is no more time for you to take up. And I'd hate to think that OU is in that 3 o'clock slot and that TCU game be a determination on whether or not they go to the Big 12 championship or not, and you lose viewers. Now, you're not going to lose them in in, in Norman. You're not going to lose them in the state of Oklahoma. But the casual viewer who may have tuned in to watch that and might be a bigger NFL fan is going to say, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Amazon Prime. I'm going to watch the NFL because I'd rather watch bad NFL than good college football. I know it sounds weird, but it happens all the time. This must be stopped. Roger Goodell needs to have a foot put up his butt. Well, not just for this, but from other, for other stupid stuff that he's done as well. Save college football. That wraps up the show this week. I want to thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner.